morning. Greet you in Jesus' name. Our Savior who cared so much to come and be that perfect sacrifice for our sins. It is finished. You haven't, but with Christ you will. This morning's service is a special service as we observe Christ and the work that He did on Calvary. As I was studying, the thought hit me. What if this is our last communion? Here on this side of eternity. You know, this service is a service that we do to remember what Jesus has done. And He told us to do it. He commanded us to do it. But you know, there is going to come a time when we will not have to do this service anymore. We will be in fellowship with Him. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 19. Verses 28, I'm going to read to verse 30. When Bob Stauffer was here a couple Sundays back, in his reading he read, I don't know if it was this passage or not, but he read through the account and read through this this phrase, it is finished, and it caught my attention. John nineteen twenty eight. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scriptures might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon a hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Every Christian needs to know what happened at the cross. This is the very center of our faith. And these words were spoken by Jesus Christ from the cross. It is finished. From nine till noon, Jesus had only spoke three times. At noon, darkness came over the land, and Jesus did not say a single word. He was our sin bearer. The weight of the sin was on his shoulders. Was this as close to hell as God would ever let him be during this time, that weight, that agony, that suffering that he had to go through. I believe the weight of our sin was so heavy that it was extremely hard for Christ during that time. It wasn't easy <coughs> because after that, Jesus cries, My God. My God, why have you forsaken me? 
And then there's a sudden list of events that take place. And we have Jesus say, I thirst. This brings out the true humanity of Christ. Jesus was human. He was thirsty. He said, I thirst. As I was thinking about this, I'm going to share a little glimpse that I had into the night that I was with Christy. By her side, as she was about ready to pass from this world into heaven. And I feel maybe that I understand this in a little different degree. As Christy was trying to remain comfortable, she was very thirsty. At one point, she took her water bottle and drank some water and almost choked. Fortunately, the hospice nurses had given me some sponge sticks, which that is what I went to next. And I continued the remainder of the night to give her water on a sponge. As the night dragged on, there was a time where she said, that feels so good. Now imagine with me, Jesus on the cross, he's dying and says, I thirst. And they brought him a sponge soaked in vinegar and held it to him. And that brings us to where we are today, where when he took that drink, that vinegar, he received it, and then he says, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus came through the agony of his suffering and he went through the long night in the garden. Now he is here on the cross and he is announcing his victory. He moves into death, not defeated, but triumph. And as he breathes his last breath, he says it is finished. Think about those words a little. It is finished. There's probably no greater words that ever could be spoken than by Jesus. It is finished. Probably no words were ever spoken that great of being profound since the time of creation. This is the pivot point. In these words that Jesus said, chains are broken, prison walls fall down, there is freedom, there is power over evil. I have four points that I'd like to share with you under It Is Finished. First one I have is the long night of the Lord's suffering was finished. The Lord had to go through a long, agonizing night. And then John describes how they put a, a sponge soaked in vinegar. It must have been awful to the lips of Jesus. 
Can you imagine what that vinegar tasted like? Matthew Henry says, When he had received this last indignity in the vinegar that they gave him, Jesus said, This is the last. I am now going out of their reach, beyond the reach of his tormentors, no more to ever be tormented again. It is the end of his suffering. No more. It is important that we understand that Jesus was at the edge of his endurance, of his suffering, because he knows what you and I have to go through. It doesn't matter what level of degree of suffering we may face. Jesus suffered it for us, and Jesus walked that road. But it's important for us as Christians, but important thing for us Christians is, Jesus is not suffering now. He is not on the cross either. It is done. It is finished. He's not in the grave either. But today He is at the right hand of the Father where He is interceding for you and for me. That is the great importance. And this this suffering world needs a Savior who knows what that suffering is. And we need a Savior who knows suffering is and that triumph that can triumph over that suffering. Like I said, when Jesus said, I thirst, that showed He was really human. And Jesus came through. And with that, He was able to say, It is finished. Point number two. The full course of his obedience was finished. Remember why Jesus came to this world. So that he could live. That you and I would have to live the life so that you and I would not have to live in order to get to heaven. Since we cannot live that life that Jesus came, but Jesus came and lived that life for us. It it is impossible for us to live a perfect life. But Jesus was able to be and to live that perfect life. There was no sin in him. The night before he died, Jesus said in John, if we turn back to John chapter 17, verse 4. I have glorified thee on earth, on the earth. I have finished the work which thou hast, which thou gavest me to do. Jesus said to the Father, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus did everything. It was complete. It was finished. Spurgeon says, examine the life of Jesus from Bethlehem to Calvary. Look very close at every detail of his life, from the private to the public, from the silent to the spoken. You will find this life is finished. It is complete and it is perfect. I just saw a headline recently, and this headline was titled, What Were the Silent Years of Jesus? I don't know if you saw that or not. It's not worth reading. But it had from the ages of 30, ages from 8 to 30, were the years of that silent, that we don't know much about what happened during Jesus' Jesus' life. As I skimmed through it, I realized it's not worth reading. But what I did see made me cringe. 
It's possible that Jesus married Mary Magdalene and had some children. And this is false. You think about what marriage is and what it portrays. Jesus and the church. Jesus is the groom. The church is the bride. Jesus did not get married. Jesus said, I came not to abolish the law, but to fill the law. Every commandment was fulfilled by Jesus in his life. He lived the life that is described by the law and is prescribed that we live that life too. He loved God with all his heart, soul, and mind and strength. He loved his neighbor as himself. He is the only person who has ever done it and will ever do it. And he did it. It was complete. The full course of his obedience was complete. And then he was able to say, it is finished. Point number three. The decisive battle with his enemy was finished right there on the cross. Jesus' life was a life of suffering, and his life was a life of obedience, and his life was a life of conflict. He came to earth to engage in a fight. He came to overthrow a tyrant. He came to deliver you and me from the powers of Satan. Jesus confronts this with great clarity when he started his ministry. He went to the desert, he fasted and prayed for 40 days, and he drew Satan out into the open so that there he could have that confrontation. Jesus came into the world to destroy the works of the evil one. Through his ministry, Jesus casted out evil spirits, those that were ruined, People's lives were ruined. They were, hold, they were holding them as bondage. Sin, Satan, the spirits of evil were holding them captive and they were in bondage. And Jesus' ministry was about freeing them, giving them hope and life. The story of conflict, and it goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. Back to the garden, Satan tempted Adam and Eve, caused them to sin and to lose that relationship that was there between God and man. And you know, they got the knowledge of evil. And we have lived with it ever since. Evil got a hold of them, and it got into their bloodstream, and continues down through time, as long as time stands. And we have that same blood. God promised right from the beginning that there is going to be a Redeemer. A Redeemer will come. There is hope. God told Satan that his head is going to get bruised and crushed. And he will bruise Jesus' heel. This is the very first prophecy to be given there in Genesis chapter 3. Do you get the picture of Jesus stamping on the head of Satan, the snake? In the process of stamping Satan's head, the serpent bites his heel, and Jesus receives this deadly poison. This is precisely what took place at the cross. By Jesus going to the cross and the suffering that he had to go through, and then, when he died, he broke the powers of Satan. Turn to Colossians chapter 2. Verse 13 through 15. 
We can say Jesus had power through the resurrection as well, but I believe the powers of Satan were defeated at the cross. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailed it to his cross, and having spoiled the principalities and power, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. The powers of Satan were defeated at the cross. Jesus triumphed over them. Ronald Wallace writes on this, In the hour of Jesus' death, the hour that he engaged, the final assault, it were he came the closest grips to the satanic enemy. It was the hour where the powers of evil were forced to stand and to stake everything on one decisive battle. I'm going to give a gambling analogy. Not that I promote gambling. But Satan is like a gambler. And he knew he was losing. And he was running out of chips. He's running out of time. He is forced into a position where he had to put everything on the table. And Christ swept the board. For Satan at that moment, it was game over. But for us, it is game on. Satan lost and is defeated. We have the power now to move beyond the powers of Satan. Jesus shared in our humanity so that we, by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. It is finished. The Son of Man became a man who filled the law. By now, he lays down his life as a sacrifice, and then he moves beyond the reaches of Satan, where Satan can no longer ever get to him. Jesus will never be able to be tempted by Satan again. Satan can no longer tempt Jesus. Satan can no longer cause him to suffer. It is gone. It is over. Now he is beyond the reach of any strategy that Satan can ever throw at Jesus. It is finished. Point number four. The complete work of his atonement is finished. Jesus came to seek and to save those that were lost. Jesus came to seek and to save you and me. He gave his life a ransom for many. He bore the guilt of our sin. The divine wrath has been spent on him. The justice of God has been met through him. And that perfect sacrifice has been offered. That condemnation has been removed. And Jesus can say, it is finished. Jonathan Edwards says this, Though millions of sacrifices have been offered, yet nothing was done 
to purchase redemption before Christ's incarnation. So nothing was done after his resurrection to purchase redemption for men, nor will there ever be anything more done in all eternity. What can be added to Jesus Christ's death and resurrection? Nothing. What did, uh, what did all the sacrifices do before Jesus? Nothing. They were only a shadow of what Jesus would do. Sacrificing a lamb did not take, this, take your sins away. Just as nothing could be done before, nothing can, done be, nothing can be done after. That is where Jesus can say, It is finished. This is the hope that we have because it is finished. We can hope in Jesus Christ because He is beyond the power of evil. Beyond the power of the evil one. It is in Him that we can have victory. Not in ourselves, but we enter back into a relationship with Him so that He can one day be with, that we can one day be with Him in glory. You have to see where the victory lies. It is not anything good that I can do, but it is in the faith that I claim through Him. If Satan has power over you, where is your hope? Is your hope put in Jesus and not in yourself? So that is, it is finished. And now, second, you haven't. There is really only one person in this world who could say it is finished. None of us will ever be able to say that when we die. Because we cannot say it while we live. Will will we be able to lay on our deathbed and be able to say, God, I have brought you all the glory that you have placed me here to do. No, not one of us. We certainly need to try. But we're still human. As Christians, we have a beginning. We have a beginning at all the commandments that God has given us. But we cannot say, as Jesus say, as Jesus said, it is finished. We are human and we are still prone to fail. And therefore we cannot live a life that is perfect. As long as we're here in this world, this won't change. We still need to start and we still need to continue to grow. But we will never be able to say, I lived a perfect life. By Jesus saying, it is finished, it gives us confidence, though, to keep going, to not give up. I also like what Spurgeon says on this. We can find a thousand flaws in our best works, and yet when we lie dying, we still lament our shortcomings and our excesses. You know, there's things sometimes we build, and we're the, we're the, Uh, the master of whatever we build. We know where the flaws are. We know where we made a mistake. Those that look on may not see it. But we know where they are. We can pick them out. We're not perfect. But I want to move to the, the last one. And that is the exciting one. With Christ, you will.
Here is where, here is what is yours in Jesus Christ. Here is what you get when you make Him part of your life. Number one, you get the complete work of atonement. If you're in Christ, you are accepted, you are forgiven, you are loved. When you come to Jesus, you don't have to do something else to prove to be accepted or to be forgiven. It is not like you to have to prove. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Jesus loves you and accepts you and is willing to make you a part of his life. And you need to be part of, you need to make Jesus a part of your life. But then we also need to be willing then to lay aside our selfish desires and ambitions. All you need is to be in Christ. He is yours. God as our Father streams His love of forgiveness and His acceptance through Jesus to us. Jesus completed it with His obedience. That complete work of atonement can be ours if we make Christ our life, in our life. Second, Jesus completed the full course of obedience. Jesus completed the full course of obedience so that you already live the righteous life because he lived it for you. Think with me. If our hope in heaven rested on our works, our hope could never stand. Why? Because our works are never complete and we can never say it is finished. Even if our hope in heaven depended on one small degree There was just something small that we had to do in order to be part and have fellowship in heaven. Our hope would still be dashed. It would collapse instantly. When our hope rests in Christ's finished work, that hope is secure because it is complete and it is finished. Martin Luther makes this statement. The law says, do this, and it is never done. But the gospel says, believe this, and everything is done already. I love that. The law says, do this, and it is never done. But the gospel says, believe this, and everything is done already. I wonder sometimes if we find ourselves still living under the law. And we say, do this and do this, and it is never done, and you're never finished. You live in utter frustration. You're trying to prove yourself to God. The gospel says, believe, and you have already, and it's already done. In Christ, we have already lived a righteous life. Why? Because Christ lived it for us. The New Testament says we are complete in Him. Just as our sins were laid on Jesus and He suffered and died on the cross so that the righteousness, His perfect life that He lived, pleasing to God, drapes over us, you and me, in Him. Just as He took our sins to the cross, His righteousness comes back to us and it can be part of our life. This is what you get when you have 
Jesus in your life. God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him you might become righteousness, become the righteousness of God. Third, Jesus completed the decisive victory over Satan at the cross so that Christ, the devil, is a defeated foe. Satan is not a defeated foe outside of Christ. He is still alive and still rampantly working. But in Christ, he is a defeated foe. Sometimes we may look and see what we call generational sin that may be in our family. I'm just making an example. We can say, well, it's mom or it's dad or it's grandpa. This is the way it always was. There's nothing I can do about it. And you wonder if there's a curse or something like that on your family. Let me tell you that under the authority of the Scriptures, there is no curse that can stand if you are in Christ. You can have victory over that. It is because Jesus won that victory there on the cross. Maybe there are others who are struggling with a strong pull of temptation. Maybe there's a particular area that Satan knows your weakness and is running rampant through your life because of it. And you have failed so many times. So many times that you feel like, is it really worth it? And you get to the place where you can hardly ever imagine being triumphant over it. There is hope. There's a story of a general, General Booth. He was the founder of Salvation Army. On one particular occasion, Booth's granddaughter, Catherine, a young girl, was about to speak in the open air at a Salvation Army event for the very first time. She was very nervous. She speaks to her grandfather, and she's like, I'm nervous, I don't know what good this will do, but I'll do my best. Her grandfather looked at her and said, Catherine, when Jesus Christ is with you, you can do better than your best. When Jesus Christ is with us, we can do better than our best. You see the difference? When I take things in my own strength, I give it my best, but with Jesus, it will be better than my best. Take that into any area of your life, any struggle, any temptation that you have. It will work. That is where there is hope in all the defeats of life. It's not in me, but it's in Him. It is in Jesus Christ, victory on the cross, that gives me the confidence to move on. With Jesus in my life, I can do better than my best. My best that I try to do is never good enough. In Christ, your enemy is a defeated foe, which is why Paul says, if God is for you, 
who can be against you? Fourth, Christ completed the long night of his suffering, and therefore in him our suffering will lead to him. No suffering will last forever. Suffering endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. If you were in Christ, whatever you are suffering today, Christ would say to you, look at what lies ahead. There is a resurrected body. There is a new creation. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sin. There will be no more tears. There will be no more death. All of this is yours when Jesus Christ is yours. We have something to look forward to. We don't want to go through suffering. We try to avoid it. Sometimes Jesus has to help us through that. It won't be long and when we're in His presence, you'll look back and wonder and marvel at what He had brought you through his finished work the work that he said it is finished there is hope for every person every circumstance of life every situation every struggle for every person that is here this morning he is not on the cross but he is at the right hand of the father and he is inviting you to put your faith and trust in him So what do we do with a complete work? Jesus said it is finished. Was it? You know, he's still on the cross yet. Death had not happened. The sting of death had not yet take place. And he says it is finished. He was probably only a few breaths away from it. I want to suggest this, that maybe that was a cry of faith on Jesus' part, as he hung there, understanding that his complete work of bringing people into fellowship with his Lord, his Master, his Father, relationship, looking forward, all the people that are going to come because of his complete work, was that a cry of faith on Jesus' part when he said, it is finished? He embraced it. And I believe... It is a cry of faith on our part to embrace that as well. To embrace the completed work of Jesus. It takes faith. Do I live and believe in that complete work of Christ? You know, we've heard this phrase before many times. It is finished. Let let me ask, do you believe it? In Hebrews 2.8, it says that we do not see everything that is subject to him at the present. What do we see? You know, we see disastrous things like war, cancer, suffering, things we cannot explain. Do we see everything subject to him? What do we see in the midst of it? Do we see Jesus? What is Jesus doing? Well, Father there in Hebrews 2 verse 10, 
He's bringing sons and daughters to glory. That is Jesus' desire. Jesus is not making this world a better place. He's not taking the suffering away. He completed His work and He's sitting the Father and He's bringing sons and daughters into the kingdom. And He's willing to do that for you and me. He loves it and He desires to draw you to Him. You see, when you go through a tough time, it can either make you closer to God or further from God. It's our choice. Christ wants to make you one of His sons and daughters to be brought into His glory. You need to believe and you need to make it personal. Christ wants a relationship with you. And you can, if you believe in His complete work, I believe it is then that we can have the power to be victorious over those temptations, those struggles that the evil one wants to trip us up and to make us stumble. This morning as we reflect on Christ's work on Calvary, His complete work, it is finished. Let us remember through the next week, the next month, or until God calls us home. As we enter into His presence, we can hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy Lord.